Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Chris. Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be disappointed to know that the, uh, the answer to the question uh, is a lot, but I'll try not to keep you uh, too long. Um, thanks to you, Chris, for hosting this event this morning and to Cyril and the King's Fund for, for facilitating this debate. And I think it's, uh, it's great that health is at the heart of the election debate. And as you will all know, um, that elections passed bring big claims about the NHS, and probably there was none bigger than in 1997 and the call to action uh, back then, seven days to save the NHS. Now, somebody was working on the, the Labour campaign at the time, I remember. It wasn't um, uh, received particularly well at the time, if I remember uh, rightly, but I think history will judge that claim more kindly. The fact is that the change of government in 1997, in my view, brought... Uh, a change of fortunes for the National Health Service and broke a cycle of decline. If things had continued as they were going back then, my judgment is that public support for the NHS would have frayed to dangerously low levels. Recently, uh, Lord Crisp, Chief Executive of the NHS, was quoted in the Health Service Journal as saying the following, Labour's biggest achievement is that the NHS will survive. In 1997, People were debating whether it would. Now, I think today that question is beyond debate. Uh, it's because of a long journey of reform over those 13 years, and at many times a hard road with hard choices and uh, political debate. But because of those choices to prioritise and invest in the National Health Service, it has brought improvement in the standard of care and it's brought more public support for the National Health Service, such that now there is a political consensus that the NHS is the right uh, model for Britain's healthcare needs. And the, the British right, in my view, has had to accept that as the NHS has improved and commanded public support. Just looking briefly at elections past to show how the staging posts on this journey of reform and improvement in 1990. In 2001, Labour recognised that we needed a major expansion in capacity if the NHS was ever to reach the levels of uh, quality that we aspired it uh, to reach. So we pledged to recruit thousands of <coughs> doctors and nurses, and we did. In 2005, we committed to a maximum <coughs> wait of 18 weeks, free choice of hospital care, and pledged to halve rates of MRSA as part of a wider drive to tackle infection. People said that those achievements couldn't be made, but they were. And the NHS, over the last 13 years, has consistently proved the doubters wrong and rising to the challenges that have been set uh, for it. And I would summarise its progress as follows. A service that was always regarded around the world as equitable and fair has become more responsive to patients. And because of that uh, improvement in patient responsiveness, the NHS has risen up the International League table compiled by the Commonwealth Fund. Indeed, it's risen to the top of that league table. But this new decade that we are now in presents very different challenges uh, to the last. Ten years ago, the NHS had to worry about getting people through the door. Today, it has earned itself the right to focus on the quality of the patient's experience, whilst at the same time getting more from 
an expanded, more resilient and more self-confident system. I have said many times since I took over this job that I do not want to overclaim uh, for the National Health Service. At times, it has fallen short of the standards that every patient in this country has a right to expect. But today, it is providing a good service to the vast majority of people in England. Over 90% say the care they have received from the NHS is good or better. Yet I know it can be even better still. And I have a very clear vision of how I want to achieve that. And I want to uh, set that out for you uh, this morning. Put simply, our goal is to make a good service a great service. And I would describe a great service as follows. More preventative, more people-centred, at the same time as becoming more productive. And I believe these three distinct objectives of prevention, people-centredness and productivity can be aligned as we reshape NHS services for modern times. Improving the quality, safety and the overall patient experience means accepting that services will need to change in this decade. A political moratorium on the redesign of services is, in my view, not a credible response to the times we are in and is, in fact, a recipe for the NHS to stagnate and slip backwards. So, here are my uh, five themes that will tell you how I will set about the task in this decade of turning a good service into a great service. First, we will take a decisive step towards a more preventative NHS. And we will make a manifesto commitment to give people with suspected cancers test results within a week. It is a flagship commitment that will define the change we want to see in the National Health Service. It has been carefully chosen and is, in my view, the right move at the right time. It will be delivered by a major expansion of the diagnostics and testing capability in primary care. This is possible to do because Labour has created an entirely new health infrastructure at local level with 256 purpose-built health centres in communities up and down England. In Lee, in 1997, it simply would not have been possible to make a change of this kind with nearly all of the general practitioners operating out of terrorist houses. Expert advice tells me that early diagnosis should be our priority in the fight against cancer in this coming decade, and it is advice that I have accepted. Our judgment is that it is right to focus resources here rather than break the discipline of the medicines appraisal process that has served the NHS well over the last decade. Introduction of a maximum one-week wait <laughs> alongside a guarantee in the NHS constitution to see a cancer specialist within two weeks of referral can save up to 10,000 lives every year. Expanded testing will help with the early identification of cancers, but at the same time will identify other conditions where cancers are ruled out. This change will build on huge progress in tackling cancer in the last decade. Last year's annual report on the cancer reform strategy reported that cancer mortality has fallen by 19.3% since 1997, well on track to achieve our 20% reduction 
by the end of this year. And last week, the health profile for England showed that cancer mortality in England is falling faster than in the EU overall. Building on our experience with 18 weeks, this proposal will bring together primary and secondary clinicians around the same table. It will, in my view, be empowering for GPs and will help bring services out of hospitals. Detecting more cancers earlier can make the NHS more productive by reducing the need for invasive and prolonged treatment. When set alongside our commitment to give people between 40 and 74 an NHS health check and the radical new ways of managing long-term conditions which we are introducing, it is, as I say, a decisive step towards a more preventative NHS. So that's my first priority. My second is that we will drive the next phase of reform in the NHS by giving patients more guarantees and more choice. As our national targets have been achieved, they have become operational standards for the NHS to ensure that the NHS banks this progress and never slips back Labour will go further and make these operational standards, patient guarantees, in the NHS constitution. It will drive reform from the bottom up and ensure that patients don't pay the price of pressure in the NHS as they have done in times past. Our one-week wait is a new target and, like the two-week commitment, will become a guarantee when delivered. They are attacked on a regular basis as process targets. And I think there is a real point of political difference here. I believe passionately that in a national health service there must be national standards that every single patient in this country has the right to expect when they arrive at the door of the national health service. Where cancer is concerned, process matters. Process equals time and time is critical. I believe every family in the country suffering anxiety and worry from cancer wants absolute clarity about when they can get access to the NHS, what they can expect from the NHS, and if necessary, have rights that they can enforce if they do not believe they are getting the required standard. The truth is that the removal of clear national standards takes power off patients and hands it back to the system. It is a recipe for a return to variation and postcode uh, prescribing. As David Cameron was sitting yesterday in a hospital rebuilt, being rebuilt by Labour, a nurse told him that the four-hour maximum wait in A&E, whilst putting pressure on the system, was, quote, a good thing for patients. So Labour will go in the opposite direction. We will make our targets uh, right, and we will embed them in the NHS constitution and take this journey even further, giving patients rights to choose what is best for them and their families. So we will give uh, patients the right to choose their GP and abolish the system of practice boundaries. We will give women the right to choose birth, to choose to give birth in a place of their choosing. And at the other end of the life cycle, we will give people the right to choose to die at home. My third priority will be to make a people-centred NHS a priority and a reality with a major shift in the way providers are paid. I think the NHS is now ready for a major change in the way it is funded and this is what I will set out to do if I remain as Health Secretary. We will make a break from the traditional approach of a system funded by volume and activity to one where there is a clear link between payment and quality. This is a major change 
in the way the NHS works, but it is one that I believe the NHS is ready to make, symbolising the shift from a system focusing on volume to one focused on quality, as Aradazi laid out. I want an NHS where the quality of the whole experience of every patient matters to the board of every hospital. I want hospitals to be concerned with how their staff interact and talk to patients, how they help them with food and personal hygiene, and that works hard to improve every aspect of the patient's experience. I talk of a people-centred NHS rather than a patient-centred NHS because I want this approach to go beyond clinical care and see the whole person that arrives at the door of the NHS. I want the system to see patients as people, not people as patients. So to do this, we will introduce powerful new payment systems in the acute sector, which will focus on patient satisfaction, clinical quality and clinical safety. This will amount up to up to 10% of a hospital's revenue, and no board will be able to ignore the quality agenda. As part of this shift, we will require all acute hospitals in the NHS to introduce service line reporting for quality to ensure every part of every hospital improves. And as we measure less, I will ask all commissioners to measure and report on patient satisfaction service by service across the NHS so patients know the standard of care that is being provided. My fourth priority will be to take care, more care out of hospitals and ensure that the best organisations in the NHS are freed up, freed up to work over a wider area. A preventative, more people-centred and productive NHS will deliver more care out of hospital, in my view, and closer to the patient's home. We want to work, free up the best organisations in the NHS to work in new ways across a much wider geographical footprint. If I think of my own, uh, my own home region in the northwest, in Greater Manchester, we have the Christie Hospital now, working with a satellite centre in the Royal Oldham Hospital and soon in Salford. And this is the kind of change that I have in mind when I want to bring the best of the NHS to all patients in all communities. And we will, we will facilitate that way of working, as we will facilitate the introduction of specialist one-to-one -one nursing as we introduce those different ways of managing long-term conditions. And we will take a whole systems approach to improving emergency care, moving away from the default position where an ambulance service will carry a patient to A&E, but promoting much more integrated care between the ambulance service, out-of-hours providers and GPs to ensure that we treat more patients in their home and relieve pressure on the system. My fifth priority is this. I think the time has come to see the National Health Service and social care as one system. Labour has made an historic commitment to create a comprehensive national care service provided on NHS terms. Everyone will be expected to contribute, everyone will have choice over how they contribute, but in return every person will get the care and support that they need. We think a comprehensive reform is the only way to give all people in England, including those for whom voluntary insurance would be too expensive, the ability to protect their homes and savings and get the peace of mind that everybody should have in later life. This is about tackling, as I described last week, the sixth giant fear of old age, which has come as people worry about how they will meet their care costs in later life. The journey towards a care service provided on the same, same basis as the NHS, in my view, opens up 
a wealth of opportunity for integration and reform in a way that has simply not been possible before now. When you provide social care on the same basis as the NHS, then I believe the potential uh, for cooperation and integration is, is huge. And I also know that investment in preventative social care can bring huge savings for NHS, for the NHS and councils. So we want to see this one system approach to the NHS and social care uh, going forward. I want to see uh, local commissioners working jointly with councils and using NHS funds uh, to provide support in the home that prevents a person needing more intensive support in a hospital or in a residential uh, care home. It's one and the same thing, providing that support to people. And I believe the flaw in conservative thinking is to see the NHS budget in isolation from other areas of public spending. The NHS depends upon the children's and schools budget. It depends upon the local government budget and the social care budget. The combined effect of three commitments made by the Conservatives, real increases for the NHS, no rise in national insurance and cutting the deficit faster, in my view, means devastating cuts for the partners that the NHS has to work with. Tory councils are cutting social care up and down at the country, and I have heard first-hand from staff how that is making the job of NHS staff harder as they struggle to get the support that patients need in the community to facilitate a safe discharge. So this is a, major, a further major point of difference. The drive to see NHS reform integrated with social care reform in a one-systems approach, providing support in the home for vulnerable people who need it, free support at the point of use, and we believe in the long term the best way to help the NHS deal with the pressures of a society where people are living longer is to adopt that uh, integrated approach to the provision of care and support. Chris, I've probably exceeded my uh, ten minutes, but uh, I will uh, leave it there Thank for you. now.